to God's word. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let's just bow and ask God to help us together. Father, thank you for your word, O Lord. Thank you, Father, that we may look at it together tonight and study it together. We pray for the, the enabling help of the Holy Spirit that he would... Uh, we, Lord, we think of those men on the road to Emmaus and how the Lord Jesus opened up the scriptures to them, O God, and how their hearts burned within them. Lord, may that happen to us tonight as we think about the Lord, as we think about Jesus and, and him as our prophet. God, bless us, we pray, for his name's sake. Amen. Well, last week we spent Sunday evening thinking about the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the historical understanding of that and where they went wrong and so forth as well as the importance of seeing the Lord Jesus as being one person with two separate natures, the human nature and the divine nature. One of the reasons I mentioned as the significance or the importance of us insisting on the true and the full humanity of Jesus Christ was that we needed a perfect mediator, a perfect and proper mediator between God and us someone who can truly represent each side in order to bring about true reconciliation. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. He is the mediator. And as that perfect mediator, Jesus then also fulfills certain offices, Offices that were significant under the Old Covenant uh, with Old Testament Israel, namely the offices of prophet, priest, and king. Three offices that were particularly, I think uniquely, anointed with oil. Under the Old Covenant, each of those three offices performed a specific task. We'll look at those tasks as we go through the three. But all of them, whilst distinct offices, all three of them are fulfilled in the one person of Jesus Christ. As you read through your Bibles, I hope you do read through your Bibles, but when we look at those who held those offices under the old covenant, however well they did it or however poorly they did it, but their office foreshadowed the work of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, each of those offices are fulfilled perfectly. Jesus did all things well. He fulfilled the office of the prophet well. The office of the priest, well, and he fulfills the office of the king, well. More so as the second Adam, as the Lord Jesus Christ, he also did well where the first Adam 
didn't. You see, even Adam, in a sense, even he held these three offices. Adam was a prophet. Prophet in the sense he had a true knowledge of God. God told Adam the truth. And he then told Eve, and so on and so forth. Adam was a priest in that he was able to offer up praise and prayer to God. And if we look at things typologically, then the Garden of Eden was the first representation of the house of God. That's where God and man met, you see. And therefore, in a priest-like way, Adam served the Lord in his temple. Thirdly, Adam was a king. For God gave him dominion over all of creation. But of course, sin ruined all of that. Humanity fell from the glory that God intended for us, so much so that humanity no longer functioned as prophets since they now believed lies about God. And they spread those lies to others, and hence we have a world full of idolatry. Sin disabled us. Sin separated us from serving before God as priests. And instead of us ruling over creation, we evidently live with all the difficulties of a cursed ground. We live in a creation that is subjected to frustration and in bondage to decay, Romans 8.20. What God did then through Israel in re-establishing those roles, those offices, through the likes of Moses and Aaron and David and so on and so forth, as good as some of those men were, only in the Lord Jesus Christ are those offices fully recovered as the second Adam. Christ has restored the glory initially intended for us, and now, now seated in heaven, Jesus has raised humanity up again as prophet, priest, and king, which for us as believers means that because of our union with Christ, then in Christ we too are raised up with Christ Jesus. We too are seated with him in the heavenly places, which means therefore in some way we too are recovering those offices again. As prophets, we are speaking the truth to the world. As priests, we are offering up, as we've been doing tonight, spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. And as kings, we are to inherit an everlasting kingdom. There are strong words in Revelation chapter 2 that Christ says he will give to those who overcome. Revelation 2.26, to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Strong words, the royal family of God. But our focus is on Jesus tonight, the person of Jesus Christ. So let's look at him again as the mediator and as our prophet. What does that mean? Well, we must begin with Old Testament prophets. They were those who communicated God's word to the people. They, as it were, stood facing the people, telling them what God had said, bringing to them, thus saith the Lord. That was something that was regularly said. You read of it regularly in the various books of the major and minor prophets. We think of Moses, of course. Moses, the first recognized prophet, he was the mediator uh, the people of Israel asked for. There at Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, when they experienced the glory of God at at that mountain, and they're terrified. And they say to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. 
but do not let God speak to us lest we die. When Moses uh, rehearses that event again in Deuteronomy, uh, it comes out even clearer. He is the mediating prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27. Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say, and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, and we will hear and do it. You see that? He's the prophet, and he's the mediator then between God and Israel. And so after Moses then came this long succession of other prophets, the messengers who God graciously sent time after time. God sent them because He loved His people. He sent them to teach His people, to warn them, to encourage them, to, to turn back. Him. You think of that parable Jesus taught in Matthew 21, the, the, the parable of the vineyard, of how the vineyard owner lent out the vineyard to others. And when it came time to gather a harvest, he sent servants to say, give me some of what you owe me. But they took each of the servants and they murdered them, killed them. But then he said, I'll send my son. Surely they'll treat my son with respect. But they see the son coming and they say, let's kill him and we'll get the inheritance. And that's the picture of what happened throughout the Old Testament. God so loved Israel, so loved his people, he sent messenger after messenger. And you see them, don't you? You read them in the book, they're all there. God loved his people so much, he sent them one after another in the hope of bringing them back. There was one that was to come. Moses told Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, that one day a particular prophet would come from among them. A prophet like him, he said, a, a mediating prophet, as well as a prophet who did signs and wonders. You see that in Deuteronomy 34, verse 11. And if it's a prophet who was like Moses, then this was a prophet who, like Moses, spoke with God face to face. These were things characteristic of Moses. Moses told the people, it is to him you shall listen. Then he relays to the people of Israel the, the extra detail that God gave Moses about that prophet. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So there was this particular prophet who was to come. There were prophets around. Miriam was a prophetess, for example. Moses was a prophet. But there was one who would come, a particular prophet. And so the Jews were looking for this particular prophet, apparently, they had a bit of a checklist, the Jews. There were four particular miracles they expected to see this particular prophet perform. They expected to see him heal people of leprosy. They expected him to cast out demons that would cause people to be deaf and mute. Jews expected this prophet to heal people who had been born with defects, born blind or born lame. And finally, they expected this particular prophet to raise people from the dead. A tall order, isn't it? Until you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Remember what he said to the disciples of John the Baptist. They were sent by John because John was concerned if Jesus was the one. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? What does Jesus say? We'll go back and tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I am the one. In other words, Jesus was doing what the people expected that prophet to 
do. So they must listen to him. And of course, you think of the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus, where he went up the mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John, wasn't it? And at the top of the mountain, they say the glory, the divine glory of Christ shining through his humanity. And they hear that voice from heaven, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Those same words, just as was heard on the top of Mount Sinai when the glory of God was revealed there. We see then that, that Jesus is that prophet. He's the great prophet of God who reveals the word of God to us, who reveals the will of God to us. Think too of how the book of Hebrews opens. It opens acknowledging previous prophets, prophets but then the writer goes on to recognize that Jesus is different. Yes, he follows the line of how God has spoken to us, but he is that prophet. Long ago at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It's Jesus. As John describes in John 1.9, Jesus is the true light, the light that has come into the world. In other words, he is the clearest, he's the greatest revelation of God to this world. Friends, we must listen to Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Why must we particularly listen to him? Well, because he, because the Lord Jesus is the one the Old Testament prophets prophesied of. Well, that's why on the road to Emmaus, the risen Lord Jesus, he, he first of all rebukes the two men for being foolish. They were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. But then, verse 27 of Luke 24, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is the prophet, the preceding prophets prophesied of. Say that with something in your mouth. It's him. Jesus is that prophet, the preceding prophets all prophesied of. They looked forward to him and what they said of him. We saw that in 1 Peter uh, 1 verse 11. They, with the Spirit of Christ within them, they spoke of the one who was to come. They looked forward to him. We, with our scriptures, as it were, we look back to him in terms of what he said to us, what he says to us. Also, those prophets of old, they would say, thus says the Lord. They had to say that. They wouldn't say, this is what Isaiah says, or this is what Jeremiah says. They would say, this is what God says. They were not the source of revelation. Rather, it was the Lord, God, who told them what to say. And if you read through the prophets, I encourage you to do that. You will regularly hear them write, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. And then so-and-so passed on that word that came to them from the Lord. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.21. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That was them, whereas Jesus himself, he is the source of revelation from God. Whilst the word came to the prophets of old, Jesus is the word, John 1. He is the word come to us and who spoke the words the Father gave him to say, but he spoke them in his incarnate way. He embodied the word of God. Hence, we must listen to him. Secondly, then, how do we listen to the Lord Jesus? I say flippantly, do, you go, do we go out into a field or into a cave and sit and wait in silence to hear Jesus? No, we hear him through his word, through the Bible, through reading it. 
through the preaching of it, through the listening to it. You know, some Bibles are referred to as red letter editions. I have one at home, a Christian Standard Bible, really lovely translation. It has to be an American thing where you, all your Bible is printed in black, but the very words of Jesus Christ are printed in red. And I can appreciate the sincerity and why they would do that, but really the whole of Scripture points to Jesus Christ. It's all from Him, through Him, about Him. So put it all in red, arguably. This is something we need to remember. We need to consciously work on. I've said this before. We, you know, the, arguably, the preaching is not the highlight. The reading is the highlight. The reading is the infallible bit. The preaching is not. That's why you have your Bibles open to check what I'm saying here against what is infallible, what God has said. We need to sit up and listen up when we hear someone read the Bible to us. Are we intentionally listening for Jesus? Are we intentionally tuning in with our minds and hearts and making ourselves receptive to what He will say to us through His Word? You see, Paul warned Timothy against those with itching ears, those who only wanted to hear what would scratch their itch, what would feed their obsession, or what they would agree with in their views, 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, to suit their own passions. In other words, they only wanted to listen to what affirmed them in their false belief or what allowed them to continue in their sinful lifestyle. And so they would turn away from listening to the truth, and therefore they would turn away from listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting how the Apostle John describes folk like that in his second letter, verse 9 of 2 John. He says, anyone who runs ahead or anyone who goes on ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So rather than asking for the ancient paths, Jeremiah 6.16, where the good way is, they run ahead. They want something more. They want something new. They want something fresh. They have a new perspective on certain doctrines and certain ways of, you know, this is what Jesus really meant. We've only just discovered this, you know, as if, you know, wow, we never knew that before. A new perspective on gender, a new way of looking at sexuality. There's a new way of salvation. We've just discovered it. It's, it's not in the Bible. It's in this other book. Somebody recently I know has been contacting me and telling me all about the book of Enoch. You've got to get into the book of Enoch, David. Even though it's not in the book, you must read the book of Enoch, David. That's the truth. Going beyond the boundaries of what God has sovereignly and determinately preserved for all these centuries. For us to know how God wants us, wants us to believe and how he wants us to live. The repeated warning of Scripture is that for anyone to do that, whether they do it deliberately or not, but they are headed for a train crash. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. The Lord Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. He is that ancient path now incarnate. He's the great prophet we must listen to both now and forever. Even in eternity, it'll be through the Lord Jesus that more and more of God will be revealed to us through his glorified humanity. 
we as glorified humans, we will be able to take in through Christ the endless unfolding of the glory of God. We end tonight thinking about what this means for us. How does his office of prophet affect us through our union with Christ? The Heidelberg Catechism explains it like this. To the question 32, what, uh, sorry, why are you called a Christian? And the answer the catechism gives us is this, because I am a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name, as priest present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and as king fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures. Now, when the catechism talks of us being prophets, they're not meaning prophets in the Old Testament sense of the word. But in light of us knowing Christ as our prophet, as we have looked at this evening, we are called to share the gospel with others as he did. We're called to teach and admonish each other as he did. And we're called to encourage and to build each other up as he did. In other words, knowing Christ as our prophet isn't merely a role model for preachers or a role model for husbands and fathers or any other sort of leadership roles we know of, but it's for all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. All of us who are joined together as his body and joined together with him as our head. He is our prophet and therefore we live following him, imitating him and speaking out what God has said into a world full of untruth and great confusion. May God help us to do that with, with renewed boldness because Christ is our prophet. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the scriptures, for all the scriptures. We thank you for this completed canon. and We thank you, gracious God, for the Lord Jesus and what you have said and what you have done for us through him. Lord, again, we pray that our affection for Jesus Christ would grow more vibrantly, more earnestly, more consistently. We thank you, Lord, that our salvation is not dependent on our love for you, though you call us to love you. Lord, we rest again in this great truth that you love us. Because you love us, you sent Jesus to save us. We remember that now around his table. We pray again for that same ministry and help of the Spirit, that he would impress upon us the enormity of the person of Jesus and his work on Calvary's cross. We ask for this in his name. Amen.